Throughout history, we can observe countless varieties of power and leadership in the kingdoms, empires, and civilizations that scatter in the thousands across the world. From how they are ruled to the makeup and belief of the populace, no two rules were ever exactly the same. Much in the same manner, there are countless modern differences in power structure and civil ordering, but the one most prevalent in our modern world is the welfare state, a governing doctrine and structure where, ideally, Everybody is provided for, and the interests of the people are protected, as well as all minimum living conditions are met. It is by no means a modern concept. In fact, the earliest example can be found in a ruler who lived close to 2,000 years ago. Ashoka, who stands out amongst the countless before and after him, was an Indian emperor of the Mauryan destiny that spanned from 322 to 187 BCE. He was the third ruler of the empire, and he would be succeeded by seven others. Ashoka himself was born of royal blood, being the grandson of Chandragupta, Maria, the founder of the empire nearly 100 years prior to Ashoka's rule. His mother's identity is disputed by several texts, all stating different opinions. Some say she was the second queen, others say she was simply a noble who the king had taken a liking to. His mother's identity could be one of dozens, a slave, a prestigious daughter, or even a member of another royal family. No matter the case, Ashoka's birth as a royal did not secure him the throne as he had numerous brothers. Much like Ashoka, his several half-brothers desired the throne that their father had left vacant, a desire which they were willing and would have to fight for. After a two-year-long skirmish between the brothers, Ashoka had won the throne and the kingdom as a whole, and now sat as the undisputed ruler of the Maria Empire. His early years of were apparently quite bloodthirsty, but they would all come to a close after the conquest of Kalinga. Kalinga was a state separate from the Marian Empire, who provided themselves on their sovereignty and democracy. This being the case... Ashoka wished to rule the state as part of the Marian Empire. This war, as it would happen to be, occurred just eight years after his coronation and was said to have killed 100,000 people, soldiers or not, and ended the deportation or displacement of 150,000 people in total. Due to the several edicts and stories that were left behind on stone pillars and statues that Ashoka had constructed in his time of ruling, those being the same edicts from which we know the body count of the Kalinga conflict, we know that this battle would lead Ashoka to become a new man. As having witnessed the horrors firsthand, he was appalled and tormented by the suffering and desperation that arose from the conflict. It is stated that a week after the conflict ended, Ashoka walked through the streets of Kalinga and all he could see was burned houses and dead bodies, leaving him appalled by death and destruction around him. After the ultimately successful conflict of Kalinga, Ashoka would begin to convert into a Buddhist man and would rule his kingdom under Buddhist doctrines. It is believed that one of his five wives, Devi Karavaki Asmahidra, Padmavati and Chishigakarika, with Padmavati being the one in question, presented this chance as they themselves were Buddhist. General consensus says that it was Padmavati that had a strong impact on Ashoka and his ideals, having presented Buddhist ideals to him in the past. Ashoka's rule had a large impact on ancient Asia. As with any ruler, Ashoka wished to expand his empire and protect his territory, but Ashoka was also open to trade negotiations and other forms of diplomacy. We know that Ashoka was openly trading due to the presence of Marian coins present in other countries and vice versa with their currencies. From general knowledge, we know that the Marian Empire's main exports were silk, textiles, spices, and exotic foods from the local regions. Quite possibly, the Silk Road would not have been such an influential trade route without the contribution of one of the largest empires at the time. It is more than likely that the distribution of spices and food ideals throughout Asia and beyond would be vastly different if it were for the mainly Indian Marian Empire having spread their spices and knowledge of cooking. Ashoka also had a more spiritual influence on the ancient Asian world, as well as the modern world as we know it. 
It is widely accepted that it is thanks to Ashoka that Buddhism is the world of religion that it is today. Throughout his rule, Ashoka sent many monks and preachers to other kingdoms far away to spread the Buddhist faith and teach their morals of peace and tranquility. It is for his commitment to his people, their safety, their livelihood, and their happiness that Ashoka has been praised throughout history. The famous H.G. Wells stated, Ashoka shines and shines bright like a bright star even unto this day, and he wasn't overstating it by much. Compared to other rulers of the time who merely looked out for those of similar standing and those of noble class, Ashoka cared for his people and listened to all of them without judgment. In a time where rules were de defined by bloodlust, a lack of compassion and snobbiness, Ashoka made the decision to change and work against these common practices, becoming a hopeful example of what royalty should be. It is because of these principles, alongside Ashoka's own philosophies and dictatorial tactics, that it is common to call the Marian dynasty, or the very least the rule of Ashoka, an example of a welfare state. Ashoka was very involved with his people. He would listen to their feedback, good and bad, and would hear out their demands without judgment. He provided for his people and defended their well-being and safety. Despite being Buddhist, Ashoka was clear on the fact that he would not hesitate to resort to violence if violence was cast upon him. It should be noted that the entire existence of the Marian Empire could be credited to another, far more famous example of a welfare state in history, ancient Rome. It was due to Alexander the Great's conquest of Egypt, the Persian Empire, and the Indian subcontinent that there was a Mar even a Marian dynasty. As the founder of that dynasty, and to show you his grandfather, Chandragupta, fought his empire on his conquest against Alexander's forces to reclaim the lost land and restore it to the rule of the Indian people. The Roman welfare state started with the introduction of the Grain Law, a food assistance program by Tiberius and Gaius Gracchus in 124 BCE. It was a law which stated that any citizen could acquire grain once a month for a reduced price, typically from half of the market price to cheaper, if they were willing to form cute weight. Over the long 600 years, Rome continued to provide policies and services to aid the poor, elderly, or disadvantaged, and strive to generally improve the living standard of its citizens. Another major change was the construction of aqueducts to transport fresh water and wastewater in and out of the city which we know thanks to De Aqueductu, a report by the Water Commission Frontiers at the end of the 1st century BCE. Over 100 stations were built where water could be collected for free. With this addition, a public bathhouse was built for public cleanliness. The price was incredibly small. Quite literally, anybody could afford it and use the bath. In modern times, in countries such as America, Australia, England, parts of Europe, and some East Asian countries like Japan and South Korea, we have taken after the Romans' example and introduced a wide variety of welfare services and have found ways to improve livelihoods even more than the Romans did. In Australia, we have a free healthcare system, unemployment support funds, living wages, elderly pensions, veteran support programs, both government and private, advanced water and sewage systems, electricity, fitness and health systems, as well as a wide variety of services and relief programs for the poor and homeless. In our modern society, we have many ways in which we support the poor and improve our lives ways that weren't available back in the times of Ashoka and the Roman Empire. Throughout history, the welfare state has proved each new adoption of it. With Ahsoka, his welfare state was centred around listening to feedback from his people, protecting them from conflict and keeping them happy. The Romans had their shot with it nearly 100 years after Ashoka, and they added many of the services that we have today. Support for the poor and elderly, pensions, water services, healthcare, public cleanliness and food assistance were all practically invented on a large scale thanks to the Romans. Today, we have a welfare state which takes from both Ashoka and the Roman Empire. We have leaders who, supposed to, listen to their communities and those which they represent. We have services and support programs for those in need and ways to reach for a higher living standard for all. And as far as today, everybody has a chance at a happy and safe life, with safe water and fresh foods available to so many people, and even those who fall back into poverty can be given the help they need to climb back and recover.